one book, a few chapters, and hundreds of pages have led us to this. Adventure, romance, the thrill of a lifetime, a thousand lives that we get to explore. Join me. Hello, 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 everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of the day you are listening to this. Thank you for joining me. I mean, so I really think that I should be getting a gold star right now because this is actually coming out on February 24th. I recorded a week before and like scheduled it to come out on the 24th. So it came out on the 24th. It published on the 24th. I'm very proud of myself. Sammy, if you're listening, I should get a gold star. And if you don't know who Sammy is, this is your first time listening. Sammy is my bestie, uh, who is also a podcaster. She has a podcast with me. Me and her have one called the Pixie Dust Twins Podcast, where we talk about all things Disney, including their affiliates. So Disney, Star Wars, Marvel. We're going to get into some of the Fox movies, you know, all the things. Um, But I'm getting off topic already. Uh, We are... (laughs) doing something that I didn't want to do, but I have to do it because I'm literally behind and I don't want to push everything back because, well, that ruins my schedule. And if you're like me and you like schedules and like to stay on time, you don't want to change it. I don't like changing schedules. So I am shoving everything I was going to do into February in February into one episode. So this might be a long one. So buckle up. Get ready. Let's talk about the four mini library recommendations that I gave you back at the beginning of January. Um, If you have not listened to that episode, you need to pause this episode. You need to go back to the very first episode of January of 2023 and listen to my little talk about YA contemporary literature and my four recommendations for it. Did you pause? Did, Did you go back? Okay, I'm going to assume you went back. I hope you did. If you didn't, shame on you. But we're going to get started anyways. Uh, (laughs) What I want to do with these four mini library recommendations and what I'm going to do from here on out with any of my mini library recommendations, reminder, mini library is literally my mini library. I have a mini library in my home. I don't know if it actually has the numbers to be considered a mini library, but I consider it a mini library. So I will never recommend books that are not physically on my shelf. I will never do it. So if you're like, Ashley, why didn't you say this one or this one or this one? It's because I don't own it. And if you want me to own it, send me money for it because I pour. Not really. I just have a lot of bills. Um, So these four mini recommendations that I gave you at the beginning of January is the Summer I Turned Pretty trilogy. I kept saying series in my last episode about these, and I realized I'm like, there's three books. There's not four. Why am I calling it a series? It is a trilogy. So the Summer I Turned Pretty trilogy. Uh, This lullaby by Sarah Dessen, uh, The Truth About Forever by also Sarah Dessen, and then Paper Towns by uh, John Green. The Summer I Turn Pretty is by Jenny Han, who also did uh, To the Boys I Loved Before. But contrary to popular belief, um, The Summer I Turn Pretty actually came out before All the Boys I Loved Before. Um, people just think it's the opposite way because the movies for this the boys I loved before came out before the TV series of the summer I turned pretty. Okay, moving on. Um, 
So like I said, we are going to do all four of these at the same time. Uh, and I want to go into detail about some things. And I'm going to talk about the books, but I'm also going to just talk about literature in general because I think it's going to help set up for some of the other discussions we're going to have as we walk into these books. So as I was doing this, I'm going to be honest, as I was doing this, there were terms that I'm like, Ashley, what's that term? What, what, you know this, you know this. Because if you, if you have not listened to my episodes, I have all the degrees, not all the degrees, but a good chunk of degrees for literature. My undergraduate was a four years bachelor's in English education. So I did a ton of English classes ranging from British lit to Shakespeare, which is also Brit lit, um, to, uh, when I do world literature, I did American literature, I did YA literature, I did um, postmodern, I, I all the different things. And then dumb dumb me decided to go back to college and I got a master's in creative writing. So I took what I learned in literature and then went over to the writing portion of it. And I had to do reviews, I had to do literary theory. Yes, there is a topic called literary theory, where it's pretty much psychology theories, and you take them and you shove them onto novels. And that class was the death of me. I'm not going to lie. I failed it twice. I had to retake it twice. And they told me if I didn't pass it the third time, I was going to get kicked out of my program. I passed it. It's okay. So because I got the degree. Um, so I've been doing this and, and I was in school for four years for undergraduate. No, four and a half because I did teaching and I had to do an extra semester. Um, four and a half for that. And then I taught for a little bit and then I did three years of a creative writing master's. So like equivalent of eight years of education in this realm. And I could not think of certain words that go along with literature. I mean... That tells you that tells you right there, people, that if you don't take what you've learned and continue to use it in practice over time, you are going to lose it. So I'm really glad I'm coming back to it because I don't ever want to feel that way again. I want to be able to tell you the difference between the different points of views and know that there are two different types of points of views, uh, limited and omniscient. And I hate to say, but those are the two words that I had to look up because I couldn't remember what they were called because somebody in an article that I was reading called it closed third person. I'm sorry. When did we go from limited to closed? When did that happen? Did that happen during the three years that I have not been doing it, like that I've not been in this world? Have we changed it because our um, students cannot understand the word limited and omniscient? So we say closed and open like that's dumb. Like that's just that's dumbing it down for students. And we need to give them the actual words. I'm getting on a tyrant, but that's how I feel. Um, but anywho, we um, I, I did a lot of research on this stuff and. As I was doing it, I felt like I was writing another paper. Like I'm looking at my show notes. My show notes are not a show notes. My show notes are literally an essay. It is a three-page essay uh, that I have breaking apart, broken apart, breaking, that's not a word, uh, broken apart so I can talk about it easier for the podcast. But I literally wrote an essay today, a three-page essay for this episode. And that's probably what it's going to be like for all my other ones. So if you want to see the actual words, um, you want to see the the 
essay. Uh, I have a website. Uh, it's a WordPress. It's called byashleydanny.wordpress.com. And I post all my show notes. I have all my show notes from my previous episodes. And then all my show notes uh, or <laughs> essays are going to be blog posts with the episode embedded in it so you can listen and then you can also read it if you'd rather read it and skim through it. Um, yeah. And you can use me as a source. I mean, I I have a degree. It's fine. Um, I know I might not be like a scholarly source, but because I haven't been double checked, but I I do put my sources in there so you can go back and look at them. Actually, I don't know if I actually posted all my sources. I'll do that. I'll make sure they're posted before this comes out, which this makes no sense to you because it's already been posted and it's already been published. And yeah, all the things are good. Anywho, podcast planning while I'm talking to you guys. Let's dive in before I get way too off on a rabbit trail. So um, we are going to look at the seven main elements that we look at for any sort of story uh, in any sort of genre uh, country, etc. We're going to look at character, plot, setting, theme, point of view, conflict, and tone. Yes, I'm going to make us feel like we're back in an English classroom, but if you love this, like me, you're going to enjoy it. Uh, so first, I want to talk about point of view because with young adult novels, this is a very important thing, and it's usually, usually, uh, one of two points of view. Now, there are multiple types. There's First person, second person, and then third person, which third person has two separate ones. Um, the two that are used the most out of those four is first person point of view and uh, limited, not closed, really, limited third person point of view. Those two are the ones that when you open up a young adult novel, more than likely 85 to 90 percent of the time you are going to have a first person or a limited third person point of view. Now, if you don't remember the difference between limited and omniscient, let me just give you the breakdown. Uh, limited third person is when you only know all from the character's perspective. Uh, you're you're not inside their head. You're outside looking down on the scene. Um, kind of like a movie. Like if you think of a movie where you have the character, the main character, and you see everything. You see everyone in the scene um, and you know everything that's going on. The big difference is, is when the character leaves, you leave and you don't know what's happening in that scene. If the main character that's focused on leaves that scene, you don't see anything else. Now, the other thing is, is you can know what the character, the main character is thinking, but you do not know what the other characters are thinking. That is omniscient. Omniscient third person means you know everything. You know every single character's thoughts, every single thing that's going on, etc. That is normally a more plot driven adventure fantasy. We're going to see that more uh, next month when we talk about the fantasy and adventure portion of it um, because of how their plot is set up. Whereas in 
uh, these contemporary young adult books, especially the four that I chose, but not just these four. There are a lot of others. You are in first person or closed third person because you can only know what the main character knows. You can only hear what the main character hears or think what the main character thinks sort of deal because of how they have the story set up and because of what they're facing. Um, and we'll get into that in a minute uh, or two or ten. Um, so you you want to understand that you want to understand it's going to be third or first person or limited third person uh and in all of the novels that i recommended the four novels uh of, that we talked about at the beginning all of them are in first person point of view if you open it all you got to do is open up a book if you want to know what it is you open up the book and if you see i said or I was or I, I, I in the non-dialogue area, that is first person. If you open up a book and it's third person, it's going to say she said or he said or um, the main character, the main character's name is Billy. Billy walked to the store instead of I walked to the store. So that's how you know what the point of view is. Um, now, I, I do think that this is very crucial in a contemporary YA novel that it is first person or the, the limited third person um, because these books, these characters are dealing with real life teen situations that they face every single day that we faced as teenagers, that the teenagers right now are facing as they're in schools. It looks different. And it sounds different because they have all these things that we didn't have and we had all those things that our parents didn't have and so on and so on. But it's still the same overarching theme. Any theme that they are dealing with is something that could have been dealt with in any time period. It's just going to be dealt with differently. So when people say, well, they're going through stuff we would never go through in in. A sense, yes, because they have the technology that we didn't have and we had the technology our parents didn't have. But the overarching theme, the relationship issues, the grief, the fear, the the um, bullying, whatever it is, we dealt with it and we dealt with it just as much as they did. They're just dealing with it at di in different mediums than what we dealt with it. If that makes sense. So. Um, it's very important to know that it's very, sorry, back up. It's very important for us to hear the inner thoughts of the main character because of the situations that they're dealing with and what they're trying to do. So for us to be in a first person means, oh my gosh, my computer went to sleep on me. There we go. Um, like I said, for us, it's important for us to hear those, those, uh, dealings of the day, the thought processes, etc. So readers, us readers, need to be able to connect with the main character on a very personal level to understand the emotion, mental, and physical issues that they are soldiering through. You, you need these books focused on the main character, and that is why omniscient third person and second person, which you barely ever see second person, um, is not used much for YA contemporary because it takes away from the focus of the main character and the main issue that they are wrestling with. So this kind of leads me into talking about the theme. Now, our, our YA character, because let's be real, any character in a YA novel should be between the ages of 14 and 18 uh, and going through some sort of turmoil. Like, that's just normal. Um, so the themes are going to be 
very specific to the character, not to the events around them, but to the character itself. Oh, but as I was doing uh, some research, especially when I, I, I like to look into like YA literature, I say YA literature in Google search and then whatever I need to do because I want to see what people are saying. I want to see what articles are coming up, what scholarly articles are coming up. And one that I found, it was a blog post, but it's a blog post from Silicon, uh, or not Silicon Valley, um, San Jose State University, which is in Silicon Valley. Uh, They published a blog post back in 2016 where they think there are eight main, one, two, three, four, five, sorry, six main themes that are found in a YA novel. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I really agree with them on how they put these together. I can get behind a couple of them. Um, especially if you take them literally, it just, I I don't know. Okay. I'm going to give them to you. The, the six that they gave us was death, religion, politics, race, economics, and sexuality. Okay. I can get behind death. I can get behind sexuality. I can definitely get behind race. That's becoming more and more of a theme, like more and more of a, a theme as we try to have more equality and, and to help people help each other understand each other's culture more. So yes, and death, grief, etc. Uh religion, I can I can kind of get behind. It depends on where you go for your books. I mean, of course, the Christian realm has a bunch of like teen books for Christian girl or for people who want Christian themed books. Um, Some books I've come across have religious undertones, whether it's Muslim, Buddhist, uh, 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 Catholic. um, I feel like I'm missing other things. We have the we have the mythologies like Roman, Roman, Greek. Norse, uh, Hinduism, uh, those are the mythologies, and then, comma, Hinduism, um, whatever religion that you prescribe to, uh, I can see that there are undertones. I have not found straight books about religion, like struggling with religion or or um, the main struggle is religion, but I don't go into the contemporary field very often anymore um, when it comes to my books. I pretty much stay in the fantasy, adventure, and sci-fi because that is where I thrive and that's where I just need to escape reality and go fight some dragons. Um, But so that might be a bigger theme now than when I used to read uh, contemporary fiction for young adults when I was actually a young adult. Um, but yeah, who knows? Uh, so I can kind of get behind those. Now, with politics and economics, like literally politics and economics, all I thought of was like, those are politi- those are adult issues. Pay- kids aren't in politics. Kids aren't in economics. But then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, if you dig into it a little bit more, politics... It happens in schools with teenagers. It's just another name for it. And it's stereotypes. You have the politics of your grade. You have your popular people. You have the queen bee. You have the star quarterback. You have um, the ner- the I don't think they call them nerds anymore, but the the nerds who are smart and are the ones who get all the grades like there's this there's a hierarchy. There's politics in school, it's just surrounding your the stereotypes and surrounding um, the hierarchy and and culture uh, of the school. So yes, I that does happen in 
are YA novels. You see that. But you you just see it. You don't really, it's not normally a, a popular theme. But, I mean, eh, again, not in contemporary lit anymore. So it, it might be more of a theme nowadays. Um, next one was economics. Uh, economics, I'm like, what? what? Really? Economics? But then I, again, thought about it. And in the YA world, it's more than likely talking about monetary or social status. Like if you're poor, if you're rich, if you're um, middle class, like um, you see it in the stereotypical part of it, the rich, pretty girl and the poor, ugly girl. Like, I don't know why we always have to have that stereotype, but I feel like that's a stereotype in media, whether it's books or um, TV media, uh, which sometimes I wonder, I'm like, why can't you have an ugly, hot person and a gorgeous poor person like that just I don't know why we've never tried doing this and if they have tell me where it is um I don't agree with it like let's let's get that out there I don't agree with how we portray people with economics in the way world um but it is there so I okay I can get behind those two but the thing about YA literature there's just so much more than just those you can't put all the themes into like eight six, eight themes. You have to have more variety. Themes are um, a lot bigger than what I think we think they are. So relationships is a huge one. I know that we could probably intertwine relationships into all of these six, but relationships is huge. And I'm not just talking about love relationships. I'm talking about family, friendship. Um, Actually, those are the only other two relationships. Work. Uh, Yeah. And love. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, coming of age, hope, um, following your dreams, uh, learning who you are. That all is in there. And learning who you are isn't just through your sexuality. I think today, nowadays, we think that uh, the only way for a student or a teen to learn who they are is to learn through their sexuality. And no, that's not the case. There's so much more to it than just that. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think that eh, San Jose State somewhat hit the mark, but I think they're also missing it. I think that the fact that they want to lump YA literature themes into six is kind of sh- straining because there's so much more that should be bursting out. And you're going to hear it here in a minute when I give you some of the themes for the four. Uh, so, yeah, I don't don't box your themes. I think you just need to let them flow out like... I don't know, items from Mary Poppins bag. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go watch Mary Poppins and get some good culture in your life. So the themes for these four. Now, I did um, I kind of wrote my own that I thought of and then I did do some searching just to see what everyone else was saying to see if I was kind of on the right page. And I am because I haven't read these in a very long time. I was hoping to be able to read them before uh, I did their episodes. But again, (laughs) lots going on. Uh, So Summer I Turned Pretty uh, trilogy is all about coming of age, uh, her finding herself and who she is now as a as a teenager and then relationships. Specifically, um, the majority is her love relationships and then there is some with um, her mom and and that sort of stuff. Uh, This lullaby is all about finding hope and also relationships, specifically love relationships. Hello, teenagers. This is what happens. The truth about forever. Um does fit under the category of death because she is dealing with grief of her father. And then the other themes are uh, relationships and friendships. She has both going on there. She's trying to figure out both and wrestling with both. Uh, 
Uh, family. I would actually also put family in this as a theme. Um, family is very big in this novel, especially with going through the grief and different things like that. Uh, and then number four, Paper Towns. This one was a little bit difficult for me because I'm like, okay, he's in love with her. But it is, there, there's more to it than what his uh, infatuation is with her. So I, I had to look this one up and kind of figure it out. Uh, and, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of resources said that following your dreams, that theme is big in Paper Towns. And as I thought about it and as I kind of skimmed through the book, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And then friendships um, is the other theme for Paper Towns that I would, um, which was my first thought. Not really so much lovey-dovey relationships like people think when it comes to YA novels and honestly John Green novels. Um, John Green has some other amazing novels and some of you are probably thinking Ashley really Paper Towns out of all the things he've written he's written you pick Paper Towns? Yes yes I do because I love Paper Towns. It's the only John uh, Green book I have read. Um, actually no I did read Looking for Alaska and that one was just depressing. Um, I have Fault in Our Stars, but I have never wrote it or read it because I know I'm going to bawl my eyes out the whole time because it has to do with cancer patients and I've lost people to cancer. My mom went through cancer. She's alive and well. She's cured. Um, but it's still a, it's a touchy subject for me. So I just kind of let that one sit on my shelf. Um, so yeah, those, those are kind of the themes. Now, the next thing I don't want to dwell too long on is the setting. So setting can be a huge part of a story um, because it does help with the overall tone. But with YA contemporary novels, it's actually normally just pretty basic, meaning it's it's based in a real place on a real map and or based in a real place with small adjustments like Sarah J. Mass or not Sarah J. Mass wrong person. Sarah Desson's books are based in um, real states, but I think she makes up the towns and the stores and stuff, but they're kind of like, she. I feel like they're based off of small towns in wherever they are. I think some of them are in the Carolinas and I don't know. They, they're always like near the coast, I feel like. Um, and that's why I love them. I love like the beach type contemporary lit books, but anywho. Um, so it's like real, real, realistic places. And, and all the four books that I'm recommending could have been placed anywhere and still got the same results in the story. Because, like I said, they're not plot driven stories. They are character driven. Now, except for maybe um, Paper Towns, I was thinking about it and I, I say it at the end of the essay I post on the website, Paper Towns could be both um, because he does have to go through these events to get to what he's internally struggling with. So it's it's kind of a a both thing. And you can have both. Another great series that um, is character and plot driven is the Harry Potter series. I love the Harry Potter series. Sadly, we will not be doing it on this podcast because I'm literally doing it in the Pixie Dust Twins podcast this summer. Like I am breaking down every single book. We have an episode for each one. So if you love Harry Potter, I will continue to remind you when those uh, episodes come out because we are dedicating a whole summer to it. And I'm so excited. But that one is character and plot driven. Um, and now I got off topic because I started talking about Harry Potter. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay. So like I said, these are, these are character driven stories. And um, I was, 
I was trying to figure out the best way to describe a character-driven story because I'm like, I know what they are, but how do I put this into words? So that's why I love other sources because sometimes they have better words than me in the moment that I need them instead of me wrestling with it for like two weeks. Uh, self, uh, Self-publishingschool.com says, uh, character-driven is when we mean, blah, 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 sorry, when we describe a book as character-driven, we mean the book centers on the characters, their internal world, their relationships, and the ultimate transformation they experience by the end of the story and with that I would agree that all four of these books and plus and the fact that one of them is a trilogy does that we are looking at the characters their internal world their relationships and they're literally transforming before us whether it's within three books or within one book and it's beautiful so that's why the settings they're they're cool and they can have an impact on the plot but i don't think they have an impact on these plots themselves except for maybe paper towns um just because he had certain things that he had to go do but anywho uh let's see here speaking of plot let's talk about it so all four of these stories because they are character driven the events of the plot are the most important thing what important is the development the characters um, as they go through their own personal struggles. There's not much more for that that I want to say, except I want to go through each kind of book and give a short summary of what they're struggling with. So uh, Belly in Summer, I Turn Pretty. I think her her real name's Isabel or Isabella, but the boys call her Belly because uh, they've known her since they were little and I guess she had a little belly. I don't remember. Um, but she struggles with like this unrequited love uh, with one of the brothers and she also struggles with accepting herself as somebody that people notice now that she's growing up because she's been this little girl for so long and now she comes back this one summer and she's a woman and boys are are noticing her and the boy she likes kind of is noticing her um and she also struggles it actually turns into kind of a love triangle later on in this in the trilogy which is funny and very much a trope that I normally do not like love triangles because they just are so ugh. like Girl Meets World. I was so mad when they put in a love triangle uh, between uh, Corey Matthews, daughter Riley and, and two other characters. Um, and they're kind of overdone. But this love triangle actually kind of progresses very well. And I actually enjoyed this love triangle because it is it, it makes sense with the struggle that she's going through. It's just not shoved at you. It's like a slow burn that comes through everything. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, so that's her kind of struggles. Remy from this lullaby struggles relation with relationships because of the external influence of her mother, who is on her fifth husband. Uh, but she's also dealing with abandonment issues because her dad left when she was like two or before she was born. I can't remember which one. And all of these things influence her relationships with her boyfriends because uh, she's had many of them. But in this book, she's on a current boyfriend named Dexter. And for some reason, she just can't dump him like she wants to. And a lot of that has to do with what she's dealing with with her mom and dad and, and all the things. Uh, so that's her internal struggle for the plot. Macy, who's in The Truth About Forever, she loses her father and she is internally grieving and the fear of loss is turning her emotions off to the people around her, not just um, her family, but also her friends that she's making at this new job. And then this potential boy that um, really likes her, but she's kind of 
arm's length with him. Uh, and this was my first book into the Sarah Dessen world. Like, I read The Truth About Forever first out of all of her books. And this is the book that made me fall in love with her writing. So I really, really, really encourage you to read Sarah Dessen's uh, books, specifically The Truth About Forever, because you are going to just love it. Like, it's just, it's so amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, we have Quentin in Paper Towns, who goes on this adventure to find Margot, and it's not all he's doing. Along the way, he starts to find himself and what he wants, and that's where I think it's a, both a character and a plot-driven novel, because you're going through, he has to go through events to find Margot, but he's also thinking about himself. So it, it's it's both. Um now, within the character-driven plots, like the plots we just talked about, you find why these characters are so loved. Each one of the each one of them has a different struggle or life that they might face, but in the end, they are all the same. All looking for love of themselves and not just of others. Um, and this is relatable. This is what a YA novel needs to have. Relatable teens who are the main focus of the story, and these three authors always hit it on the nail every time. I haven't read all of John Green's stuff, but I know they're hitting, he, I know he hits it on the nail because he is just an amazing author and my brother loves his books. He tells me about them. So I, I know what's going on. Um, Sarah Dessen, every novel I've read from her, she hits it on the nail every time. Jenny Han, no, I haven't read the, I, the To All the Boys I Love Before, but I've seen the movies. I know, that's like a crime. I, I probably should go into book talk jail because I've watched the movie and not read the books. But she hits it on the nail every time. And it's just beautifully done. So please, please, please go read these books. Um, now, the two things I haven't specifically talked about yet are the last two on the list, and that's conflict and tone. Now, as we talked about ahead, like before, like their struggles, those are their conflicts. All the struggles we talked about in their plot is their conflict. It's internal struggles they have to overcome or learn from. And this is essential in a YA contemporary character-driven novel. I mean, you have to have this to, to be character-driven. Um, actually, you just have to have conflict in any novel, let's be real. Um, but I do want to focus on the tone for a moment. So in my opinion, the reason I left it last is tone is what separates a good story from a great story. You can have a decent plot, conflict, character, etc., but if the author does not convey the right tones at the right time, it is going to feel awkward and you're going to lose your readers. Tone is encompassed in how you describe your characters, um, their actions, voices, appearance, etc., and how you present your setting, your plot, and your conflict. You need tone. It ultimately comes to word choice. Word choice is what any story, book, or visual media comes down to. You don't have the right word choice. That's a, if you, bleh, sorry, if you don't have the right word choice that sets up the right tone, you are literally going to lose everyone. You have to have the right tone. Now, visually, with movies and TV shows and plays and musicals, all those things, it's easy to set up the right tone because you can use color and the set, the, the um, lighting and all the different elements that help create the tone you need. So even if the acting's crap, you at least have those other elements that can help create the tone. Now, sometimes you have amazing acting, but they didn't set the tone up, right? Because they didn't do the lighting and the setting and the colors and all those things, right? You don't have the luxury of that in a book. You have words. That's all you have. 
is words. And you have to figure out a way to use those words to create lighting and setting and color and um, emotion and fear. You have to do that. Where I think that writing is one of the hardest things to do when it comes to having to portray this. Because you, all you have is words to set it up where a movie or, or um, a TV show has multiple elements that can help set this up and to aid it where you only have words. If anyone wants to fight me on that, you can fight me on that. But I am going to stand by it. Anywho. Ultimately, it comes to word choice. These novels, these authors have amazing word choice. I was just reading bits and pieces of the book earlier today and and before and it's just oh I just would want I want to sit in it. I want word choice where I just want to sit in it and dwell on it and just feel it and just read a sentence and it just sounds beautiful. And these three authors do that with their books. I love it. So again, you need you need you need to read them if you have not read them, whether it's these books or books by the same authors. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I am ending so abruptly and I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's everything I want to talk to you about. That's everything I wanted to break down. I, I hope that you were able to follow me, especially since I put all four books in one episode. Uh, so again, sorry and thank you for, you know, um, sticking with me. Uh, and I hope that you come back next week because next week we're going to just do one book. We're just going to do one. We are starting the fantasy and, um, fantasy and adventure era. And I can tell you now what books we are going to be doing. We are not going to be doing the fairy tale retold books because I want to do something very specific with those later on after we get through all of this. Uh, so I'm going to be doing just my fantasy books. All of these, except for one, comes from a trilogy or a series. Uh, so we are only going to focus on the first book. We are not going to focus on the rest of them. I might I might allude to the rest of them, um, but we to to make sure that I'm not um, overwhelming you or ruining it like the full story. I'm just going to give you the first book and, and what we're going to go over, because these are older books. These are around. You can get all of them at the same time and binge read. Um, yeah. So uh, next week we're going to be doing Graceling. I love this book. I love this. Well, it was a trilogy. Now it's a series. I still need to read the fourth one. It's sitting on my shelf. My brother got it for me for Christmas. Uh, the week after that, we're doing what's called The Awakening. This is a trilogy uh, that it's the first trilogy. And then the second one is called The Gathering, which is kind of like a spinoff of that. I can't remember who. I don't have the author in front of me. Hold on. Let me turn around. Um, nope, can't read it from here. Hmm. Graceling is, um, her last name, or her name is Christian, Chris, Kristen Cashmore, but I can't read the name of the Awakening people. Uh, third one is not a series. It is a single standalone. It's called Princetta. Uh, it's, I don't think many people know about it, but I loved it. So we're going to read it or we're going to go over it. And then, uh, fourth week is going to be, um, a trilogy from the, win it's the trilogy starting with uh, the winner's circle. I think it's like the winner's circle, the winner's, um, where is it? The winner's circle. It's like the winner's circle, the winner's 
crime, the winner's curse, the winner's kiss. Actually, the winner's circle might be the wrong name. It might be the winner's curse or crime. I don't know, but it's one of those. And we'll figure it out before that weekend. I thought I turned off my mic for a second and I didn't. And there is a fifth week in... um. March, but I haven't decided what that it's going to be yet. So those are at least the four novels we're going to be starting next month. We're going to break them down each day. I don't know how we're going to break them down, but we're going to break them down one way or another. Um, yeah. And then um, on a different note, go to... Hopefully I have it up and running, but I started an Etsy store. Huh? Um. I've started an Etsy store where I'm going to be uh, selling a couple things here and there, um, more like stickers that you can put on like your laptop decals or your water bottles or wherever, or phone cases, whatever. Um, water or so stickers. Um, I think I'm going to try to do t-shirts. There's, there's a couple things I'm working with. I'm working on designs. I already have one posted. Um, it's a sticker. It's a book dragon sticker. Uh, so go check that out. It is the Etsy store will be a link in my show notes. Um, and there'll be a link on my website. So uh, go check that out and then find me on all the social media platforms, uh, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Those are the three that I have. All right. I better end this because it has been a long episode. We're already at 40 minutes. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the adventure with me, Ashley Danny. Join me next week as I dive into another story that will help you escape reality, if only for a moment. By my book, Dragons, and I will see you next week.